Greetings, fellow investigators, and welcome to our video podcast, Into the Darkness, where my friends and I will attempt to write a complete scenario for the Call of Cthulhu role-playing game. I'm your host, Tom Rayleigh. Well, let's just get started. Uh, we were going to talk about some characters, uh, saying you were working on that. What, what did you come up with so far? Uh, so, so far, <clears throat> apologies for the amount of work I have done. Um, the show that I'm directing is opening next week so for anyone who's been involved in any theater you know at this point it gets pretty uh hectic and a lot of stuff is going wrong and i'm the person that has to fix most of it so uh (laughs) what i've done is i've gone through and we had discussed our sand dwellers being a little bit more hardy and 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 so on and so forth because they're in a kind of tougher terrain we're talking about them having kind of more like harder kind of spiked scaly skin a little bit uh, a yeah. bit like a horned toad, um, uh, which is kind of like a dragon-looking thing. It's quite cool. Um, so right now I've got – I'll go just through the stats first. Uh, strength, 70. Con, 75. Size, 85. Dex, 70. Intelligence, 60. And power, 60. Pretty much I went through the original stats of the characters on in the book and just bumped them up ever so slightly. Um, so they normally sit at Asian size, which is big, but I thought if they're going to have spikes and rock kind of stuff on them, they're going to be bigger. Um, damage bonus is a 1d4 build plus one, uh, that I didn't change. That was just from working out the normal stats, uh, hit points, 16 magic points, 12, their move points have actually gone down by one to seven because, their size is so much bigger than their strength and decks. Also, in its winter. Yeah. Maybe so they, they move is, is seven. They don't yeah. move as fast in the winter. Yeah. Um, attacks per round two. Again, I kept that the same because I didn't see any reason as to why these ones would be have more attacks. Um, so their brawl is 40%. I went up by 10 on that because... Um, I just felt like because they're bigger, they're a bit stronger and stuff, they'd have a bit more there. Um, so the damage for that is 1d6 plus damage bonus. Uh, dodge is 50. So again, up by 10% from the original. Uh, the armor, they've got five points. Originally, they've got three points of tough skin. But again, with the, the more scaled, the spikes and stuff, I bumped that up to uh, armor is five points instead of three. Um, their skills is stealth which is, I don't think I changed that. I think it was 60 originally. It was either 60 or 50, so I may have bumped it up slightly because the whole idea was that we were saying they kind of blend in with the rock around them and and so on and so forth. Uh, Listen was the same, 60%, and their spot hidden, again, is the same at 50%. Um, The sanity loss uh, for seeing them is uh, a 1 slash 1d6. Uh, That's for seeing... Um, a sand dweller for the characters. So if they see it, if they pass, they lose one. Uh, but if they fail, it's a 1d6. And that isn't changed from what was in the book. Doesn't that seem a little high? That's I did think it was a bit high, but I thought if that's the original... It's the same number that they have for deep ones. Yeah. One 1d6. I guess that's the first time that you see one. Yeah, that's yeah. like, you know, first time you've encountered 
anything like I that. Guess and it so. doesn't... I guess you have a chance of screaming and running away or passing out. Or... Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then it said special skills, but I don't fully understand this. I wrote it down because it was in the book, but maybe you guys can explain more. Uh, spells, 30% chance of knowing 1d6 spells. Right, there, there are certain creatures um, in the books that might know magic. So that's kind of saying, like, because we were talking earlier if they have any, like, mystics or, like, shamans or whatever you want to call them. Yeah. Like, messing with the animals or I think there's a section that Tyler was writing out where they, uh, they use, um, they, you, you can kind of, like, trap the investigators as they, like, get confused yeah. and all turned around by their magic. So there's a chance that some of them know magic. Okay. So that'll be like the, the GM will do like a roll on that or something? No, I think actually it would make more sense if, if you decided what spells they had available to you. Okay. Right, because in, yeah. in, in the book, right, there's just kind of the generic thing, right? Because there's a chance that like, say like in the book, star vampires might know a spell, but if you're writing a scenario with a star vampire, you, you might not want to have spells or you want to have specific spells. Yeah, I've got the grimoire, so what I might do is go through uh, the grimoire and, and, and put some spells that make sense to the scenario and to the to the characters um, to give them. Yeah. But that's uh, that's what I've got so far. So that's the, like, I guess, rock dwellers, for want of a better word. Um, yeah. If you wanted to play up the... Uh... Uh, the horny toad uh, aspect of them. Uh, one thing that uh, horny toads can do is squirt blood. They squirt blood from their eye into your face to blind you. Oh, that's quite cool. It's uh, that's it's cool. Weird. That could also explain as to why the uh, <clears throat> the water is running red like blood. Well, that's just. That's, that's just a natural environment. We're not trying to get. <laughs> but I think it would it's be. It's a red earring. I think it would be cool to be that, that there's a chance that if you came face to face with one of these things, it just suddenly squeezes its eyes and blood squirts out right into your face and blinds you. <laughs> which Number is one, we're not making mutant horn toads. We're, making, we're talking about sand dwellers. Yeah, this is just... All of Cthulhu, not Gamworld. Point number two, Tom is going to be coming up with ten cool things we could add to the scenario six weeks after it's published. Just stop. Write another scenario. Save these cool ideas for something else. We're past the cool ideas part. We're, we're in the writing part. Calm down. Get a notepad. <laughs> Write it down. <laughs> So yeah, that's uh, that's that's what I've got. They sound cool. Is their intelligence a little too high? Is that the intelligence they give? Uh, no, I think the intelligence that they originally give. Let me just double check. The intelligence they originally give is fifty, and so is their power. So I pound, I put up by ten their intelligence and their power. Um, Keep in mind those scores are the suggested averages. You can have yeah. exceptional ones. Look yeah. at what the range is and find the min-max. You can buff up leaders. You can have one tribe that maybe they're a little dopey, but they're physically stronger in that one little yeah. area. As long as you're within the min-max, you can kind of screw around with the average score. Yeah, right, if you provide okay. like a here's, here are six sample sand dwellers. Yeah. 
You know, I've seen that it's pretty common. So like the improved. leader is like in this thing, and then there's the like the the warrior types and the scavengers, and yep, okay, cool. That sounds like a good idea. Yeah, the shaman's probably the most intelligent one. And they'll have the the the, the magic, maybe, like, because that's thing. Maybe I don't have to give all of the sand dwellers the magic. I can right. just give the the shaman the, the magic. Nope. Like in in one book series uh, that I love, there the, the the bulk of the race is like buff warrior, headstrong. Um, but there's a a, a one kind of cast in their race that they have psychic abilities. But the psychic ability is tied to a, a, a genetic defect that makes them smaller, weaker, and more lethargic. So you'll see these like big warrior type guys, and they'll be these like dumpy kind of weakling, half almost like stoners in their race. Yeah. But they're the empaths, so they're the team psychic. And the big buff guys, they know how important it is to have a psychic on their team. But it's still they still kind of despise them because they're yeah. kind of like they're kind of a total bro race. <laughs> yeah. So it's almost like begrudgingly we know we need to have the psychic. Um, so I do like that you have a mix of maybe that one hyper intelligent person who's not as physically apt as the others, or you've got that one person who's just way off the charts physically, and they're you know and they're a You're little a in the brain. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Or you know someone who's super super smart and they've got a club foot and their their movement is just terrible. Um, yeah. You know the, the the wild fluctuations in scores can really um, help build a narrative if you want to play that way. Cool. I might even keep that in mind for like um, the other like when I start writing the NPCs a bit more properly, like you know keeping that sort of stuff in mind of of um, writing them makes it a bit more interesting as far as the playing them for the GM and so forth. So the last couple of times we talked a lot about Morgan's end of the story. How about Tyler? Tell us. Uh, Tyler is very, very behind at the moment. Um, <clears throat> in fact, uh, I will be on a business trip tomorrow um, and sitting in a hotel and that's all I plan on doing is working on this. Um, so I have not, unfortunately, made a lot of progress since I last sent you guys uh, anything. Um, I think what the where where it's at is it's um, uh, you know I was focusing on when the PCs get to the town, uh, and if you guys uh, if there's been any changes uh, in the, the plot line since uh, in in last week's I, I haven't listened to it yet, um, but so I, I I've gotten it to where. They are going to the um, the, the cannibals uh, cabin, uh, and that's uh, as far as I've written uh, so far. Um, it will. I'm trying to think here. <clears throat> the The big question I, I guess I have is, so so remind me when when the PCs go to the cabin. Um, I, one of the places that I'm stuck at is. How is the 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 cannibal going to act? Um, and, and I know I, I don't think that we fully fleshed him out yet, um, but his personality I think kind of plays into how how the scene plays out a little bit. Yeah, is he going to be 
insane, crazy old man that they think is harmless? Or is he going to be devious, welcoming, trans? That, uh... and, and I've been writing it more towards the, the second one there where he's, you know, he's insane, but he still has his wits about him enough to, um, to be a little bit devious. Kind of uh, lured them into the trap. Yeah, exactly, exactly because he's done it before. It's your section. He's your character. I, I would yeah. say that that choice ultimately should fall to you. You can play this guy a million different ways. Right. Um, yeah. You're the author. How do you want to play him? I mean, if you know, if you're not entertaining yourself, why are we even doing this? Write the character you want to write. Write okay. the character you find interesting for this role. Okay. And if he's well written, everyone else will find him interesting too. And you know, you're not your first trip to the rodeo. I'm sure he'll be fine. Okay. Well, then one other question I had is, I don't know how the 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 transition from the town to the mine. How is that supposed to take place? Um, because right now, the way it is, or the way it's written so far, and again, remember, it's not fully fleshed out yet. PCs get to the town. You know, they they find all this stuff. They find the the cannibal. Um, I, I, you know, I know part of it is, you know, th they're already looking for the mine. The, the cannibal is going to, you know, drop hints or say things about the mine, but I, I don't want that to be the only thing. Um, cause you know what, cause if, if we do that, you know, you're going to get one group that's just super trigger happy. As soon as they see the cannibal, they're going to blow them away. And then those, that clue is gone. So I, right. I, I'm trying to figure out some other clue to, to get them there. I think that uh, the assumption is going to be that some of the former party that, that the, the new party is looking for uh, were taken into the mine. Okay. And they might find that out from a journal that was dropped or, uh, yeah, uh, you know, by one of the, uh, one of the previous scientists or. So had we planned that the previous group had already been to the mine once or they just knew where it was and they got stuck or captured or whatever well, remember um, the previous group wasn't looking for the mine they were just yeah. looking for fossils okay that's right okay um and i think when the the players go and speak to the cannibal they depending on the clue trail they followed may not even be aware of the mine they may just still be looking for these missing people out in right. the wilderness and be completely unaware of the mine you know if you don't if you don't have a group that goes into town and researches the old papers and researches the old records. Um, the whole mine ghost town rumor might not even come to play, which is fine. I think that looking for people who are missing and then stumbling upon a ghost town and then exploring the ghost town and finding an abandoned mine that you're completely unprepared for. Yeah. Is awesome right. um, and also I, I think that, you have to kind of train yourself not to think of the, the, the narrative. The narrative doesn't belong to the author. The narrative belongs to the player. You have to write possibilities. You have to write information so that a keeper can cover all of the most likely possibilities. But the, the, the physical narrative of how players get from A to B to, to Z ultimately that you can't plan for. And if you are planning for it, it's called railroading. And right, modern right. neighbors hate that. 
And I cut my teeth in the tail end of the golden age of railroading. So the way I learned to write was railroady. Um, somebody, I had a fan complaining to me a few days ago on Facebook Instant Messenger that he thought Ripples from Carcosa was a little railroady. And I'm thinking, I wrote that back in 2003. I mean, it's, you know, it's one of the first things I ever wrote. Yes, it is railroady. I was young. I needed the money. But, <laughs> you know, um, it's, it's taken me years to kind of train myself out of that. Um, some of the greatest scenarios ever written were like 5,000 words in total railroads. But, you know, we didn't know any better. The game was in its infancy. Um, so, yeah, um, I think, you know, troubling yourself and worrying about how the players get from the cannibal to the mine, don't worry about it. It's not up to you. How are they going to get there? And even if you figured it out, you <laughs> Your players are going to screw that up, and they're going to do something good completely. Right. You're going to be left with the same mess that you're having in the first place. Um, point. You don't have to figure it out. They have to figure it out. You just have to write so that the keeper is prepared, that he has all the information he needs to figure it out when that happens. Yeah. It's, it's likely, from, from what we've said, since part of, part of our history story was that that town had been attacked by those creatures. Mm. But there could be evidence there. There could be a little girl writing in her journal. They came out of the mines. That might be the only clue they find that tells them that there are mines. But yeah, yeah. Okay. I like that. That that was really good, Oscar. The narrative belongs to the players. That's that is something that you really have to keep in mind. That's the whole reason why I play is because yeah. We're, we're making up most of the story as we go. Is there anything, any other issues you guys want to talk about? Morgan? Um, so with the uh, thing last week where we went over through a little editing session, um, I've gone through and started to add a bit more headers and trying to break up a change to just how I phrase things and then looking through it again. I have a feeling I'm going to finish it out and then rewrite the whole thing, but I think that will be for the better. But so, like, that, that's always good. Yeah. So it was very, very helpful. I'm seeing things. One, that of, the, one of the things as a as a uh, uh, graphic designer, not just graphics, but working in the publishing industry, is at the end we need a complete read through. And it's, it's more for, I, we don't all have to be there for that, but it's, it's more to find grammatical mistakes and, uh, and spelling errors and stuff like that before we finally submit it. That's where you find all the dumb little mistakes that you've made. Right, and I'm, t I'm talking a bit beyond that. You find the rest of them two weeks after it's been published. It's true, that's, that's the, <laughs> And you want to uh, shoot yourself. <laughs> I know. I was just eating at a restaurant and I kept noticing that they, they kept misspelling things and it was driving me crazy. You know, I, I found typos in books before and I'm just like, oh no, somebody somewhere is like. Well, I'll tell you the, the, the real secret. The person who writes it should not be the one who looks for errors. Yeah psychologically they've already decided that it's correct in their minds and they 
they look right at the air and just go right past it. I've done it a hundred times. You have to let somebody else do the editing. Right. And that's, that's one good. I'm, I'm talking about like, just, just as I'm looking at how it's like, I've, I've been reading more stuff. I've been looking at more things and I, there was parts of the scenario that I hadn't looked at in a while. Cause I kind of wrote past them. And then looking back, I was like, okay, I can see where I could word. Th- I could, but I still, I want to finish it out before I start doing, getting too deep into that. Cause otherwise we'll just get stuck in an endless revision loop and you'll never get anything finished. So I want to get it finished out, look at it as a whole and then go at it again because <laughs> that's the way to do it. It's rough. All right. Well, the next time we get together, uh, Jason will be here. Uh, we'll hit more character uh, characters along the way that uh, are yeah. part of the story. All right. Filling in, filling in more things of like the people in the town that they meet, maybe getting a yeah. bit more stuff for the, even the team that disappears. I mean, a little more about them. So you have more ways to tie the investigators to them in a sense, um, I think would be good. Cool. And some of that you can leave to the GM to make up, but yeah. Yeah, totally. The main people need some descriptions. Yeah, no, we'll, we'll make sure. Um, Cause I know we've kind of, the plan was me and Jace were going to meet up and um, on here, obviously, and um, go, we were going to kind of split the characters up a bit and go, okay, you do these guys and you do these guys. We kind of did it the last time, but um, it's just, we've both just been so busy and just not got around to it. Cause I know he's doing the old man. Um, but then I was doing a couple of the shopkeepers and, and, and so on and so forth like that. So yeah, we'll go through and, and, as you say, I'll go in Doll's house and, and just try and get some base done and then go from there. Cool. Sweet. All right. If there's nothing else, once again, it's kind of about an 18-minute session, which is just fine. Okay, works. All right, folks. Uh, let's see. How do I usually end this? Uh, where is it? Um... Like, share, and subscribe to our channel. Punch the bell icon for updates on our latest shows. If you'd like to support our show, visit our Patreon account. Just a dollar to a month helps us a lot. You can find the link in our description below. I should also say thanks to uh, Morgan, thanks to uh, Oscar, thanks to Tyler, and uh, thanks to Zane for being here tonight. Uh, This is Tom Rayleigh, together with all the members of our gaming club, inviting you to journey with us once again into the darkness for another adventure into the universe of HP Lovecraft and the Call of Duty role-playing game. Until next time, good luck, good gaming.